I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Y'all better grab your extra large popcorn. We are in the thick of things with great films. I am open and positive. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Let's throw okay. on these boxer gloves. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we do a deep dive on a new release that just hit theaters or streaming. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. And this week, guys, I think we have a a real dilemma. I don't think we have enough hot dogs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you've seen the film, and I hope that you have if you're listening to this, because there will be spoilers... You know exactly the moment that I'm referencing here. And these moments of sort of soapy, campy absurdity are dappled throughout Todd Haynes' new film, May December, starring Natalie Portman as Hollywood actress Elizabeth, who makes a trip to Savannah, Georgia to research Gracie, the woman she'll be portraying in an upcoming film. Gracie, played by Julianne Moore, was the subject of intense controversy in 1992 when she, as a 36-year-old woman, was caught having sex with Joe, the 13-year-old boy she worked with at a pet store. The press coverage only intensified when Gracie gave birth to Joe's child while serving a prison sentence. Now, it's 23 years later, and Gracie and Joe, played by Charles Melton, in a breakout performance quite divergent from the dumb jock character that made him famous on the series Riverdale, have been together ever since. The couple now have two additional children, twins who are about to graduate from high school. They have a beautiful home on the water and seem to have built together a life abundant with love. But there are cracks in the veneer, and they start to deepen as the film progresses and Elizabeth digs deeper into Gracie and Joe's relationship. May-December asks the question, what happens when you tell yourself a lie so many times that it becomes your truth? First impression? Mm. Helen. Um, yeah, so I watched this on Netflix last night. Um, it starts off with the very intense score that we get throughout this film Mm -hmm. and footage of monarchs fluttering around some leaves uh, with our opening credits. And it just feels very intense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Very intense and kind of dangerous is how it made me feel right off the Mm -hmm. bat. Like I wasn't really sure what what was coming for me in the beginning of this movie, but I was really excited. Uh, Sinclair? Yeah, I was kind of disappointed that I had to watch this on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I actually haven't seen a lot of Todd Haynes films in, in theater. A lot of them, I was just maybe too young to, to see them. I ended up seeing them at home at a later date. Uh, and really, I remember seeing Carol in, in the theater, and that feels like so long ago. Didn't we go see that together? We did, and it was so nice. We were in the um, Theater 8 at Varsity yes, with the red velvet seats, it and it was such a beautiful film, and we had such mm. a lovely time that watching this on Netflix, I was like, ugh, all right, mm. fine. It just it didn't really feel right, but aside from that, when this starts, yes, it is very melodramatic at the beginning, and with that music it kind of makes it feel like it's going to be a thriller but at the same time like a thriller movie of the week Mm -hmm. that's 
what it kind of was giving me, uh, like something like The Woman Down the Road or From Marriage to Murder, just some <laughs> film like that. That's kind of what it sounded like. So I was like, okay, this is this is strange. I'm going to see where we're going. And it does calm down a bit, and we're introduced to the Natalie Portman character who is coming to town. She's here to observe Julianne Moore's uh, character's life. And it seems calm, and then we get that melodrama again. Mm -hmm. We get that music again when Julianne Moore opens the fridge door and she doesn't think there's going to be enough hot dogs. And it was that moment where I was like, okay, I'm starting to pick up what you're putting down, Todd Haynes. I kind of have an idea of what this is going to be, like what we're doing here. So, yeah. That's hilarious because it was exactly at that moment that I said, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a pretty unremarkable, like aside from the opening credits, the opening of the film itself was pretty unremarkable. It was just like very Mm -hmm. basic setting, you know, Mm -hmm. creating the setting, letting us know who these characters are. But then, yeah, we've got that because it wasn't just the swelling music when she looks into the fridge. It was also this absurd, like zoom in close up shot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the line, I don't think we have enough hot dogs. (laughs) It was just, it was real like soap opera high camp. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I have, I trust Todd Ames and I certainly trust these actors. So there's no world in which I thought that this was going to be a bad film, right? Mm -hmm. But I was at this point like, what is this movie going to be? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of what this movie is going to be, we might as well just get into some storytelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Helen? Well, so this is based, very obviously based off of the Mary Kay Letourneau, um, Billy Falau case from the 90s. I was hoping that Sinclair was going to be the one that would have to introduce that and pronounce those <laughs> names. Yeah, thanks. Mary thanks Kay Letourneau is not hard to say. Well, it is if you can't speak any type of French like Sinclair. Yeah, well, thank you for your support. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mary Kay Letourneau was a sixth grade teacher who uh, started an affair with their sixth grade student Billy and he was 12 years old and this is you know it's very obvious that this is about that um a lot of shots that we see of uh Gracie's character from back in the day like the tabloid shots are like actual reenactment shots of footage of or like photos of Mary Kay like oh I didn't know that oh yeah it's like they're very much modeling this off of her you know I I assumed that when I read what this movie was going to be about. I didn't realize it was going to be so close to that. Like there's some, there are a few little differences, but it is very much using that as a jumping off point for this story. I think what's really interesting about this story is that it could just be a a telling of their relationship 20 years after the fact, right? It could just be that. And it could be an exploration of that relationship. Mm -hmm. But with the Natalie Portman character coming in, studying Gracie and the dynamics of that relationship, it becomes this whole other thing. And it is a very layered and complex weaving of different narratives and storylines here that I, you know, I'm still like 
kind of rolling it over in my brain being like, okay, well, what did that mean? And, mm-hmm. and how did, how did the, that metaphor like relate? There's, there's tons of um, motifs and metaphors and themes to like chew on in this movie. And I, mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed this. I have to mm-hmm. say it was pr- kind of what I, I was hoping it would be. It, it did what I wanted it to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I I found this film to be very complex. I what it took me a little bit at the beginning to adjust to the stylistic choices, but once I kind of settled into that and just let the characters and the story like roll along and you see it kind of like being peeled away layer by layer and you're kind of it's such a great like complicated story. I thought it was really, really interesting. And I thought in terms of thematic, one theme that I kind of took from it was I I felt like this was kind of a criticism of the way that we can be distracted away from what we know is wrong by like Mm -hmm. sensationalism or by like a pretty facade. Yeah. Right? Like, as I said at the beginning, we see this opening. It looks like they've got this picture perfect life they're in love they've got these beautiful kids they're embraced by the community you might think okay the genesis of this relationship is wrong but look they've been together for 23 years they're grown adults now Mm -hmm. etc yeah no one's thinking oh the manipulation is just continuing on right but (laughs) exactly but as a film unfolds you do see through that pretty veil Mm -hmm. and you see the truth of the story right and I think that that's what's part of what's so brilliant about the film is because it it challenges the way that we just like sometimes stop at the pretty things or at mm. the sensationalism and don't mm-hmm. s- and like don't let ourselves see the ugly truth mm-hmm. that's right there as well. And the film forces you to take it bit by bit. Yeah. And Mary Kay Letourneau and what we see with Gracie in the film is, you know, she just thought, oh, we're in love. So how can it be wrong? You know, look at this beautiful thing. How can this beautiful thing be wrong? Or, you know, like you said in the beginning, what we tell ourselves to believe, right? I think that, yeah, her her character is definitely trying to focus on this idea of the beauty of it uh, in order to not see the darkness of it all. Interesting. I don't, I disagree with that. Oh, I was agreeing with you, with what you were saying about seeing the beautiful things. No, I think that that's the challenge of us. That's the challenge that is presenting us to the film. I don't think that Gracie, I don't think that's what Gracie's doing. Well, I think that that's the lie she's telling herself and other people about the love. But I, I mean, it's interesting you say the movie is challenging us to not see the beauty of it because she's very clearly a villain. <laughs> she, yeah. You know, to me I watching think- it, I didn't really need to be convinced of that. I think that there's a lot of meta stuff happening here because we've got, we're watching a movie about a woman who's going to make a movie about a woman <laughs> and she's studying her, right? And and there is this feeling that I got of like exploiting the already exploited. Mm-hmm. And in terms of sensationalism, you know, that could be 
what's playing into those very melodramatic shots and and sounds in the beginning right is like let's make this as sensational as possible because that's what the public wants and there is such an obsession right now with true crime and bringing up stuff from the 90s too like that is such a yes it's in pop culture these 90s Um, trials like yeah and all the all the miss like John Bede Ramsey and this mm-hmm. and OJ was like we really sensationalized these like horrifying stories mm-hmm. back in the nineties especially. I think it's like the intention of the artist too. Uh, you know, why do we make film? Well, a lot of people want to show a story, but at the same time, there's a dark side that wants to make money and also with actors portraying these roles. I think mm-hmm. that there's also a lot of Mm self-interest, a lot of accolades and career boost. And it's under this guise of art. I want to do art. I Mm -hmm. want to find the truth. I want Mm -hmm. to find the humanity. And you start to really see through Elizabeth in this film and Elizabeth's motivation that extends so beyond where the truth lies. And I think that there's a moment in the beginning of the film. I actually found this movie to be so darkly funny. It is. There is a lot of funny moments for sure. And obviously there's the hot dog moment. But the second moment where I think that you really see the satirical side of this film and Elizabeth's real character is when Gracie's daughter says, oh, I've never met anyone that was on TV before. And Elizabeth says, oh, you know, what about your parents? You know, like that isn't the same thing at all, but also isn't the same thing. You Mm. know, what is Mm. entertainment to us? What what do these what kind of impact does this have on us? We get excited by a TV show. We get excited by a sensationalized tabloid story. I mean, it's kind of all putting entertainment into the same category. We get excited by murder and like, you know, like it's all it's all really quite grotesque when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Like thinking about people being so fascinated with this case and it's child statutory rape. Like why? Why is everyone so interested in that? But I think we can go back, Edison, to what you were saying. So you don't believe what do you think Gracie's motivations were? What is your read on that? Character. Yeah. So what I was disagreeing with you about Sinclair wasn't that the film is portraying her as a villain. That's clear, obviously. But I think that she knows she's a villain. I don't oh, think totally. she's I, think li- so I don't think that she's lying to herself. We're not I, disagreeing. We're not. There's there's no disagreement here. OK, I don't think that she's trying to <laughs> she's definitely telling a lie to other people, but I don't think that she's telling a lie to herself at all. I think that she knows that she's a predator. I think that she always has been. I think that it's clear about everything that we see about her. Like her friend said, she gets what she wants always. Mm -hmm. She's unapologetic. We saw it in the way that she like re-manipulates him when he's trying to have that conversation at the end about how the relationship started. She is literally hunting prey in this movie. Yes. Mm. Even when that, in that amazing scene with her and Julia and um, Natalie Portman, you know, in the mirror when she ends it and she says I am naive I always have been Mm. in a way it's been a gift and it sends a chill down your spine because Mm -hmm. you know with absolute complete and utter certainty that she doesn't have a naive bone in her body like Mm -hmm. she's a villain she's a sociopath yeah but she could be detaching from what she's doing too in a lot of ways like she could be 
she could be seeing herself as a victim. Like she says, yeah. oh, you know, he had a couple partners before me. And <laughs> Natalie Portman's character is like, when he was 12? When he was 12. And yeah. whether that's true or not, we don't know. But she could be telling herself that she maybe she was and seduced. yeah i get that but i think that that's just her i think that's her i think that she's like machiavellian even See, like when she says to him like who was the boss who was the boss like i don't think she's tricking herself in any way i actually think she is i think okay. that she's like but severely mentally ill under the same it all falls under the same category but i don't think that she's a like sociopath <laughs> yeah but you know? i don't think that she's like a master manipulator necessarily. I think she's actually like very mentally ill and like, it's like a weird coping coping mechanism, this entire relationship. Mm. So I kind of did a deep dive on Mary Kay Letourneau and (laughs) she was, I mean, I guess maybe we should put a trigger warning in this episode, but she, she was um, molested by her older brothers and she did have like a pretty traumatic upbringing. She also had another older brother or sorry, younger brother who drowned in a pool that she was swimming in. And mm. like she she had a traumatic childhood. So there's things that ha- came up in her childhood that are sort of referenced in the film um, that you could, uh, you know, maybe trace to this mindset that she could justify this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think she had a pretty domineering father who was she was raised super catholic and Mm -hmm. was raised very much in a household of like sexism and like women are just meant to be homemakers and like you know you don't need to like her dad said in this film like you either leave this house in a veil or a box yeah Mm -hmm. and so i i was watching interviews with her and stuff and you know there is commentary on like sometimes people who grow up with that type of male influence in their life look for a male that is isn't going to control them you know Mm -hmm. anyway I'm not a psychiatrist but like I actually the more that we see of Gracie in this movie the more I thought like she is so twisted Mm -hmm. and unwell and there is like uh, you know that the psychology behind that character is it's kind of fascinating to me mm-hmm. but that but last it, line i know you know, know insecure people are dangerous i'm secure and that's mm. that's a great line yeah. though because she's either pointing the finger at elizabeth or she could also be pointing the finger at herself as well you know the pot meets the kettle kind of situation uh, she mm-hmm. could just be taking the dig uh, but i think what's interesting is that this doesn't really shine light on her humanity at all, which I'm glad because I feel Hollywood does do that. Like I was going back and thinking about Monster with Charlie's mm. Theron mm-hmm. and I still have mixed feelings about that, but it's a great example of an actress playing this criminal and really showing so much humanity in them to the point where I was like crying at the end of Monster. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's not what this film is really no. trying to do. No. It's showing mm-hmm. basically two narcissists going at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, yeah. it's like two un- unhinged women just going yeah. at it, <laughs> which in its own way is that's campy. It, you know, that's yeah. that's something that is we'll, we'll watch and i think the movie's poking fun at us for liking to watch that too but yeah. we have to ask ourselves too like why did gracie want 
to why why did Gracie agree to this? Why did she agree to have this actress come? And it is a form of manipulation in a lot of ways because why wouldn't you want to influence the story that's going to be told about you? Totally. Uh, you never really know who she is, and I think that's the point because any actor that plays someone, you will never we will never really get the true story. We can only really get different sources that in this prove to not be credible reliable yeah, and, or reliable like all the information she's getting mm-hmm. um she's also trying to dig for things so she has her elizabeth has her own bias she's trying to make things out of things to make her art more interesting so you never fully get the truth and really no. our only our most reliable character is joe totally and but yet he's 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 really just discovering himself like yeah as it goes and he's also like really flawed too like he didn't have the opportunity to grow up in a healthy way no Mm. and one quote that i just loved so much in this movie when he's talking about his monarchs that he like nurtures and he says Keep your eyes open, look for eggs, bring them inside, protect them so they have a chance to grow. Yeah. And it's like, that's what he never had. Mm-hmm. It's like there's something in that character where he knows instinctively that he has to do that and protect his kids mm-hmm. and give them the opportunity of a life that he didn't have. But he's somehow, it's so subconscious because facing that like decision with an open mind would would force him to reflect on his life in a way that he doesn't really do until the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's such a unique char- all of the characters in this yeah. are so complex. Yeah. I I want to say like we touched slightly earlier about the motivations of Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. What if you brought that up? I found Elizabeth that's Natalie Portman um so fascinating I was so curious about what's driving her actions in the film I love the like seeing the actors work you know I love the idea of like this Hollywood actress going to this town and like trying to learn and I think from a very base level it makes her a great guide for us the audience because we sort of think of her as this observer so she we're like okay we're gonna let her just observe but she is not a passive character no she's (laughs) also just the worst like she She truly is is the the worst worst. she's like the worst qualities of an artist she's a very particular type of actress yeah like she's the worst qualities i think that you would envision an actor to have well Totally, she's, but and you also aren't convinced that she's going to be good. Like, no, no. <laughs> that's what I thought was funny. But she's a she's not like a Natalie Portman type. No, she has a TV show called Nora's Ark. Yeah, yeah. And there's that very brief clip where Joe is watching her on an awards show. We don't mm-hmm. see it, but we hear it, and you can tell it's like a audience choice award or something like that. Because she's saying something like, it's because of you guys that I got this. Thank you so much. And then she has a Neutrogena commercial or something. Mm -hmm. Like, she's not an A-list actress. 
she, you know, oh, like that's she's interesting. at, yeah, yeah, See, she's at not. the beginning. I know she's got that cheesy show, but like everybody has some type of cheesy show. But, but I feel that's like you what you know known that for. this is her. She wants this juicy role. Mm-hmm. You know, she wants to make this transition from television star to like serious actress, yeah. and that's why I think this film is so darkly funny because it is very much her being like, I need to find the truth. I need to find the humanity and. This is so such a complex story, and that's what's funny about it because it's never really about Gracie. You know, does Gracie actually, does this story, do we need to see Gracie's humanity? Like, do we need to see that, really? No, but no. I think that is what is really, that's what I, to go back, that is what I found really interesting about mm. Elizabeth's character is it's like, I... What is her motivation? Like, there's an element of it that, yes, is about trying to get to the character and understand that. But it's like, I think it's in when she's in that scene when she's talking to the acting students. Yeah. And she's one of them asks her about what it's like to do a sex scene. And she says, sometimes it's robotic and technical, but sometimes that that line is blurred. And you have to ask yourself, like, am I pretending that I'm experiencing pleasure or am I pretending that I'm not experiencing Mm -hmm. pleasure? And that, I think, kind of captures it. It's like, is she here to observe these people and, like, build her character? Or is she also a sort of sociopath who's just kind of here to fuck around with her own little experiment? She needs stuff for the awards campaign, too, to talk about that she what she did. For sure. I, you know, I, it's funny because there's a lot of different films that in, inspired May, December. Um, this is heavily inspired by Bergman. I mean, Persona mm-hmm. is the probably the biggest influence on this film, which is really interesting because this does have so much melodrama to it. And Persona is such an art house film that I think it's it's interesting when you see the shots of the mirror and the idea of these two women kind Mm -hmm. of merging together. But Mm -hmm. another big film that inspired this was Sunset Boulevard, which is one of Mm -hmm. my favorite films. And I was wondering how that would come into play. And after I watched this, I was like, oh, this is very biting. This is, this has some teeth about Hollywood. This is really showing some teeth here. And it's a little bit cynical about Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was where that Sunset Boulevard Uh, influence came from it's poking fun of the process of acting and I think that we all kind of roll our eyes when it gets to award season and we are here you know Jared Leto put a rat in somebody's locker yeah but we also do celebrate and know and are aware of all the times that the actors do put in the work to go Mm -hmm, and do that it's, mm -hmm. it's a pretty common practice if you're playing a biopic you know, doing a biopic of somebody who's alive, an actor is going to go and spend time with them and try and, you know, that makes sense. But I, it's the interfering. It's the sleeping with her husband. Yeah, it's the like, yeah. you know, all of these ways in which she was like, I, it's her own little social experiment of like trying to really get into the character so intensely or also just like a bit of fucking narcissistic drama, sociopathic, let me fuck this up. Well, and Gracie's and not really giving her anything either. She's kind of trying to fuck her up. Yeah. I think Gracie saw through Elizabeth in the first second. Yeah. Because I do think that Gracie's, like I said, a psychopath or sociopath. Yeah. Well, and it's fun to watch them challenge each other Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, There are points where I'm like, I actually don't know who's manipulating whom Mm -hmm. in this scene, Mm -hmm. which is so fun to watch. Who's like the parasitic one. Yeah. Yeah. Because they are really two predators 
and then you've got poor Joe, who is mm-hmm. just the eternal prey. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, one, the one thing them. I wanted to mention about Joe is I think that a lot of Joe's storyline actually grounds this film. It like mm-hmm. takes us away from the cat totally. fight and the yeah. melodrama yeah. of it all. Because really with Joe, this is one of the only times I've seen a male who's been victimized by a woman presented in this way. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time it's given to us as a male fantasy and it creates this idea that, oh, but men want right. mm-hmm. the hot teacher. Yeah, like men, yeah. men want that. And men at that age, are they believe that they do. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that we're seeing Joe at 36 and this film is showing us his growth and how he's questioning the validity of their, you know, quote unquote, love Mm -hmm. i haven't really seen this done in a movie before i thought it was the most he's the most like human he's our connection to Mm -hmm. the humanity of the film Mm -hmm. it's like we're watching him on like we're watching the unraveling of his sense of self in this Mm -hmm. film and it's really heartbreaking and we'll get into the performances in a minute but like that scene when he's on the roof and ends up w- ends up smoking a joint with his son yeah. who's just about to go off to university, right? Like, Joe kind of, sh- like, shyly reveals that he's never tried pot and his son is just, like, shook by this. He's like, what, Dad? Mm-hmm. And then you remember that, yeah, no, he's been, like, controlled by Gracie since he was 13 years old and still is, right? Even at the beginning of the film when he grabs a beer and she says, that's two, it's mm-hmm. like... He fully missed his youth, missed all those formative experiences. Well, he didn't miss them as much as they were stolen from him. Mm-hmm. But it's just like he's the only heart here that mm-hmm. uh, that I'm like care about, other than the kid, sure. But like, mm-hmm. do you want to transition into performances, or is there anything else you wanted to say for storytelling? One more thing about storytelling is just how it ends, in the sense that mm. we get a shot mm. of the movie that she's making, mm-hmm. and it does look really it looks low so bad. budget, yeah. and it does look it looks exploitive. trashy. Yeah, totally. Uh, and she's trying so hard. It's a TV movie of the week, bless. Yeah. I know, and I I did think it was funny too because she's I think she's having a, an affair with the director. Like totally. she has that phone call, mm-hmm. like oh, is your wife there and stuff. So it's just her process versus what we end up seeing in that mm-hmm. end shot. <laughs> I know. And she has the snake too. The snake, like it's so on the nose in such a it's funny so way. Much. Yeah. Uh, I just thought it was a really funny way to end the movie with that it's the lies that you keep telling yourself right it's like her in that scene the line is you know wait it's getting close to being real or whatever the final line is no it's not (laughs) Yeah. yeah well to get into performances uh i do think that charles melton who plays joe is the standout of this film i was actually so impressed with his interpretation of this character kind of what we've already touched on but the fact that we haven't really seen a male character like this before where I had so much sympathy for him and you know the scene where he does start to break down with Gracie and say like wait can we actually talk about Mm -hmm. this his behavior in that scene was the behavior of someone who's been like deeply traumatized and mm-hmm. is like starting to come to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Like that, that could have been acted 
in a very different way by a lesser actor and mm-hmm. like the way he's doing like even the way he's like holding his body and is almost like shivering like yeah. he's he's a little it was, kid he's arrested it was incredible yeah yeah like it's actually his his characterization and behavior in this role is I, I found it like astounding, honestly. Mm-hmm. And and like devastating. It's so yeah. interesting because and yet yeah, because in that scene you you really see like and in the film you know he's never actually processed what it is yeah. that has happened to him. And that's really it's like until he has has to face it because of the like intense outside yeah. eye of mm-hmm. of uh, Elizabeth. But like he is this kid still in his dynamic yeah. with Gracie but he's also a parent and they're like hey dad and he's like you know he operates like that with them and I think that his performance is amazing this is he was Reggie on Riverdale like I don't even know did y'all watch Riverdale no, no I okay. know you watched it for the hunks <laughs> I did and he he was top among them <laughs> No, but like that show is like, you know, it was a guilty pleasure, but it's, it's like started fine, but it was like, it's not where you go for like amazing performance. And he was like a very much a supporting character in that. He was just Reggie. Like, (laughs) this is so, I'm so glad that Todd Haynes took a chance Mm -hmm. because this is what a really good actor who gets on a show like that needs right mm-hmm. that show maybe gives them a platform but it's like he, they need he's somebody to getting give them the a dream that elizabeth, elizabeth wants, wants yeah yes Ugh, he's so good it's just been a delight to watch him navigate all of this attention mm-hmm. through the mm-hmm. sort of promotions of this film and going through the award circuit bringing his mom to the awards and all of his interviews. He's very humble. He's never poo-pooed Riverdale. He's only ever expressed how grateful he is for it. Like Mm -hmm. he's a class act and has delivered a really, really fantastic performance. Mm -hmm. Well, I love an unhinged Julianne Moore. Yeah. Mm. Love Mm -hmm. it. Just love it. The bigger she cries, the more I love it. Oh, Um, You know what? It's so funny because like it's always over the top, but, it somehow works mm-hmm. and the lisp killed me uh, yeah the lisp. it was such a choice and <laughs> that's how mary kayla turner <sighs> talked yeah and it's so interesting you know i think that if you don't look up mary kayla turner like you don't look up I how yeah. she talks you do have the questions of like is she putting that on yes. like is it this thing she does to seem more unassuming like kind of like a kaiser so say yes. thing um, that's how I interpreted it. I was like, this is her shtick. She has yeah. always played naive. And what could be more innocent and naive than like, mm-hmm. oh, I have this Yeah, left. yeah. It's like this unassuming thing. And it's also interesting because it is such a distinct characteristic that, you know, this is a movie about an actress doing a performance and learning these little things about somebody. So it gives Natalie Portman something to kind of play off of. Mm-hmm. Um right. To you know, show her working on her interpretation of of Gracie. I mean that scene when she is sobbing about the pineapple cake order I know. that she's got so canceled. Good. She's just like, so good. It's actually brilliant. Mm-hmm. It is that is like incredible. I don't know how you deliver a performance like a moment like that that is so absurd. This is from like a Brazilian telenovela <laughs> level of like melodrama and absurdity. 
and like she's weeping over yeah. a cake that she has to throw in the garbage and but, yet it's so real <laughs> well yeah and that's the thing is like and that's what i loved so much about this movie is within the absurdity there is like real humanity like i'm totally. watching that and i'm thinking like Th- this is how this woman is. Yes. But also, this is how she ha- responds. Maybe to not. Ha- maybe it that is put on too. You know, she. Gets, I mean, we don't know. But yeah. the thing is, is that she uses that when she's with Joe, and totally. then she's a completely different person, self-assured, doesn't dwell on the past when she's with Elizabeth, and it's like, it's almost like crocodile tears esque, and you don't actually know. It could. Be her actual feelings, but it also could be crocodile tears as a way to manipulate. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what's really fascinating about the performance. Yeah, would a would someone who was secure weep like an absolute lunatic over a canceled cake order? No, mm. it's like it I is mean, all manipulation. It yeah, it is interesting because I think that that is also a way of keeping Joe so close to her. Like if she has these breakdowns, like he walks in and hears her crying and he just whispers under his breath, fuck. Cause he knows what's Mm -hmm. coming for him because Mm -hmm. he probably goes through this all the time. And this Mm -hmm. is what their relationship is, Mm -hmm. is she's hysterical over something like that. And then he has to be there for her. Cause she even says to him like, where were you? Like Mm -hmm. he's probably always there at her beck and call to Mm -hmm. deal with her emotions, Mm -hmm. whether or not they're genuine it keeps him there beside yeah. her and it and in you the know, scenes- probably keeps him feeling like he's needed too. like, mm-hmm. yes. Or, and just can't leave her because she'll be yeah. completely beside herself if he ever leaves. Yeah. And how about Natalie Portman as Elizabeth? Cause she's got a kind of a big task with this, yeah. with this performance. She has to play herself. She has to play mm-hmm. herself <laughs> as a like unassuming actress trying to just meet these people. Then she has to play herself portraying Gracie. Yeah. Julianne Moore's performance of Gracie. And also like doing how well of a job do you want to do? Totally. How good of an actress are you? Exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is like, that's too much. That's Mm -hmm. too many things to think about. Well, she did it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's amazing. I mean, that monologue at the end of Uh. the letter well, the letter's oh great, God. and it's funny because yeah. throughout the film, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if she's going to be any good. She seems to be, like, overcompensating a lot. But then you do see her do the monologue, and she's actually really great. But mm-hmm. then I kind of laughed because it reminded me of Jennifer Hudson in Cats, where she's, like, really <laughs> going for it, but the movie's just awful. Right. And I could all, I'll just see that happening to her. But it did kind of remind me of the Emma stone monologue in la la land where it's like Mm -hmm. an actress within a movie doing a movie uh giving a monologue being aware that they're you know performing uh very good yeah that was that was like her being aware that she's performing performing but Mm -hmm. like the other monologue was again what i mentioned earlier when her answer to the question about the sex scenes Mm. oh yeah that's a monologue Mm -hmm. and that was her just like being elizabeth right Mm. and it was incredibly natural and when it when she did deliver that monologue all i thought was like man that is going to be on so many like audition tapes (laughs) students auditioning for like acting classes or schools or whatever but it's also funny because it's like a bunch of like high school students she's doing it for and she's acting like it's inside the actor's studio i know that's the best part that says so much about her character right yeah yeah. (laughs) that's how she would treat that experience yeah i also do love 
that she just shuts that little shithead down when he asks her that question. He's like not expecting her to answer know, it like that. And he's know. like so uncomfortable about yeah. it. Because it's not amazing. the answers you're going to give like a high school class. No. Right. It's not. No. She's like, yeah, I'll ask. Here we yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is my inside the actor studio moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So technically, so obviously the music. Yeah. <laughs> the musical score was entirely outrageous. I'm obsessed with it. Um, so it's actually a score from a 1971 movie called The Go-Between. What? Yeah, that was reworked for this. But if reworked, you go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you go Google score for that movie, it's like identical almost. Amazing. Um, but that was by uh, Michel Legrand, I believe is how you say his name. Mm. So he wrote the original score and then uh, Marcello Zarvos reworked the score for this film. But they were actually... On set, they were playing, like, um, Todd Haynes was playing the score from that movie just as inspiration, and then was like, this is too perfect, like, we have to just use it. Mm. Really? Yeah. That is amazing. I had no idea. Yeah. It's like, that took me some adjusting, truly. Like, the first Mm -hmm. few minutes of this film, I was like, what? But then it really is, like, it becomes to define the film in Mm -hmm. a huge way. I can't think of another film recently where the score was just so such a dramatic part of the storytelling yeah yeah it works within the context of this movie is it a good score I guess in the sense that it works for this but Mm -hmm. like uh, it's so outrageous it's completely grating at parts Mm -hmm. too and the funny thing about it is that it's being used to blatantly Tell mm-hmm. us the mm-hmm. emotional beats of the movie yeah. and the dramatic beats of the movie. Like, it's the yeah. most blatant use of a score. And I think that that is the bit yeah. for sure. Um, but is this something I would listen to on my downtime? No. Oh <laughs> no, I would God. not and listen no, to this. Like... In, not, if it's not in the context of this movie, it's like, would not work. Oh, really? I, I was I was looking up sheet music to play it on piano today. Actually. I would <laughs> laugh so hard. <laughs> The only other it. context that it works is if it's like an episode of Days of Our Lives and yeah. someone has brought <laughs> so, like, so some karyakas back from mm-hmm. the dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There are some incredible shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. And one I want to talk about is when they're at the clothing store and the daughter is looking for her graduation outfit and it's all shot through mirrors. Mm-hmm. And mirrors are a huge theme in this movie, which yes. is like pretty self-explanatory. But... The way that they shot that, there was like, there was, it was like a three way or three mirrors, like how you would have at a store, a dress store. And then they put like two more mirrors to kind of like broaden the, so you got even more reflections. The camera was actually behind a two way mirror that was in between Natalie and Julianne. Oh, wow. So the camera was behind them and it was shooting the reflections in the mirrors in front of them. Mm. Oh, wow. Isn't that insane? Yeah. And then you watch that scene. Like, if you go back and watch it, to see all the different angles that we get of people's faces and seeing the different perspectives through all the different Mm. mirrors, it's like, it's a, that's a wild, wild scene. Mm -hmm. Technically. Like, it's incredible. That is so cool. So this film, you know, when when we think about Todd Haynes films like Carol or Far From Heaven, like, we're used to this sort of, like, very rich saturated kind of color and like lush vibrancy in the way that it looks and this film didn't have that so the director of photography on this was Christopher Blavelt and 
so at the beginning I was like oh this feels a little like it just didn't look as as like lush as I was mm-hmm. expecting as cinematic as I was expecting but then yeah as you say like the these incredible shots are so masterful that came together that it was actually super impressive yeah I think there's some good shots in this that work but I would say for me this is definitely like the least visually impressive Todd Haynes film for yeah. sure like his other films are so spectacularly visual that i I mean you just think about carol and you think about the red the the red lipstick and the snow and the the department store and the the but also this is probably one of his i guess most modern films like he's always Mm. doing a movie set a more of a period piece yeah Yeah. and i think what he's kind of doing is also making like a film that looks like a 90s film yeah yeah. it felt 90s for sure well that's so that's the thing is like it this also did have the movie of the week feel yeah to Mm. it and it's by design but i do think that it's kind of trapped within its like satire and its homage Mm. you know it's it just wasn't Mm. as visually rich as his other films but by Mm. design of course Okay, well, in that note, what is your final word, Helen? This might be my favorite movie of the year so far. Maybe tied with Anatomy of a Fall. Mm-hmm. This is everything I wanted it to be and more. And I, you know, I started watching it again today. And it's one of those that I could see myself watching multiple times because there's just a, there's so many things to unpack with this movie. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this film. Um if I were a Hollywood actor, I would be clamoring to par- be a part of any film that Todd Haynes puts out. Yeah. I think he just tells these stories that have characters with so much complexity. Yeah. And, you know, this story may seem kind of simple in terms of p- plot, uh, but it's so deep when it comes to, like, character exploration. The melodramatic shots and the absurdly camp musical score somehow work and like add to the film i thought the performances were all super masterful the pacing was perfect i I basically had no complaints i thought this was a a great great film i loved it Mm -hmm. how about you sinclair yeah this is such an interesting watch it's dramatic it's darkly comical it's it's truly sad in some parts honestly i thought this was quite fascinating and you get to watch two movie stars do really great performances and yeah. you get to see a really great breakout performance as well. So you, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Talk Movie to Me. If you would like to get in touch with us, our email is talkmovietome at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at talkmovietome. Uh, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And our season seven episodes are on YouTube, uh, youtube.com at talkmovietome podcast. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>